Ready to build better benefits that maximize employee wellness? Join Infirmary Health and Rx Benefits June 4th ASHRA webinar as they discuss actionable advice for developing pharmacy programs with your pharmacy resources, how to build internal and external partnerships that boost employee wellness, and what pharmacy trends could impact future benefit design for all HR leaders. Register today. To learn more about Rx Benefits, visit employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in show notes. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Asher Podcast, the podcast that brings you the brightest minds and trailblazers in the healthcare industry. I'm your co-host, Luke Kerrigan. I'm joined by our other dynamic co-host, Bo Bravo. And today we have a truly exceptional guest with us. Uh, she's an energetic clinical healthcare executive who's passionate about creating professional development and pipeline programs that shape the future of healthcare. Uh, this person's achievements and contributions in the field of healthcare really are remarkable as the mastermind behind several groundbreaking initiatives, such as the first accredited nurse residency program in her state, a nurse extern program, and a student nurse partner program. This person has paved the way for countless aspiring healthcare professionals. Uh, moreover, uh, she's been acknowledged by Beckers as a rising star, uh, further validating the exceptional contributions she's made to the healthcare industry. Uh, guest, please welcome uh, Brittany McGill, Chief Nursing Officer at Norman Regional Health System in Oklahoma, to the show. And Brittany, we start uh, the episodes with our key takeaways. So welcome and let's get yours. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'd like to share with our listeners that one of the biggest maybe lessons learned and thus key takeaways for the healthcare industry today is the value of partnerships. And how if you have a vision or you have an idea, you take them to your key partners and you create magic. And as you go along the process of implementing your innovations, be, be flexible and be open to pivoting. Um, I frequently reference one of my most favorite Friends episodes where Ross and Rachel are trying to get that couch up the stairway and Ross is just screaming, pivot, pivot, pivot the whole time. And that's the fun and the beauty and the energy that you can bring to such things as innovative projects, that if you have a solid partner at the other um, end of, of the table or the room, they'll pivot along with you. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is wonderful. And I'm sure that helps every single day because, I mean, healthcare is just an environment where you have to constantly pivot, right? It's it's dynamic. It is fluid. And it's something that we create a lot of policy and process around. But you, you have to be just that. You've got to be flexible and you have to be nimble um, because not all patients um, are, fit into one of those. It's so yeah, true. for sure. Yep. It's, it's so true. Uh, Brittany, so in, in, in doing the intro, I mean, your, your accomplishments in developing innovative healthcare programs really are pretty cool, right? Uh, they're inspiring. Can you share a story uh, with us, you know, about the first accredited nurse uh, residency program that you made and how it made a difference in the lives of the aspiring nurses and the healthcare community uh, in Norman Regional? Yes. So we have a great team here. 
Um, some of the programs that you mentioned in the intro um, came from that team. It came from a lot of visioning sessions and the team really came together to make it what it is today. Now, in each of those programs, we have pivoted along the way, making it better and better. But to answer your question about the nurse residency program, that is something that we had in our strategic plan. We wanted to accredit that program. And when it came time to do so, that survey hit in the middle of COVID. Oh. And we got the whole team together and we said, we know this is going to be a ton of work. Do we want to move forward with this or do we want to press pause? And the whole team looked around the room and decided, no, we've done the work. We're going to get this across the finish line. And so it just gave this renewed energy and this renewed sense to this is what we've been striving for, pandemic or not, this system and the people that are going to go through this program in the future deserve that seal of approval. I'm slightly competitive. And so I, I kind of kept my thoughts to myself about here's our chance to be the first. Here's our chance to get out in front. Um, and so thankfully, they maybe felt some of that and I didn't have to say it, but we all unanimously were like, it's go big or go home. And so um, we were super proud of not only being able to achieve it, but achieve it in the midst of a very challenging time. That's so inspiring because, I mean, it, it would have been so easy just to push that off. I mean, it was COVID. And look, nobody, nobody would have blamed you for pushing that off, uh, given what the circumstances that you were dealing with on a daily basis. What's really fascinating to me is how you handled it. Uh, and instead of just being an executive that just said, I'm going to take this and just make the decision my own and myself, what I gathered from that story is you brought it back to the entire team and lo and behold, they had the exact same passion for it as you did, uh, which is remarkable. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. Well, thank you. It was important. We had several of our residents that went through that program participate in the survey. And so if you think about that program, these are new graduates that have not had any survey experience, mm -hmm. nor have they have any pandemic experience. And so we wanted to make sure that they were okay with the role they were playing in that survey experience. And, and I think that overall, it was just that much more rewarding. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Brittany, we were talking before the episode and uh, we mentioned just of, you know, stories, right? Stories of who shaped us as who we are as a person and a professional and you mentioned you had a story. Bo and I know nothing about it, and uh, I'm I'm excited and fascinated to learn about it. So if you want to jump in, we'd love to we'd love to hear about the journey. Okay, so one of the reasons I'm so passionate about pipeline and transition programs is because I went through one several years ago, and it is what pushed me to do what I'm doing today with whom I'm doing it with at this exact same organization. So I did not grow up in Oklahoma. I had every intention of going back home post-graduation, but I went through a pipeline program as a student. I had a job waiting for me after graduation. My orientation time was super short because there were only a few things I needed to do after I was licensed. 
It was the smoothest transition. I didn't really have any challenges going from the academic um, side of things to the professional setting. And so I really, truly believed in that. Well, that program went away and it was one of the first things that I brought back um, when I had the opportunity to do so. And so I use that as an example um, to say this was meaningful enough to light my passion to not only do this, but all the other things. And so as we started to create one program after the next, we started to broaden our horizons and expand it to other disciplines and other schools and other academic partners. And so it's just blossomed into not only the collegiate level, but into high schools now and into community programming. And so when you think about who you want as your caregiver, you want somebody that truly has the passion for that. And they don't just get that passion by happenstance, right? Mm -hmm. You need to garnish that early on. And so we've tried to create lots of exploratory career um, opportunities for students as, as early as high school. I think that's fantastic. I think that's a great example of what you mentioned earlier in your takeaway about the value of partnerships. And then that's the value of an external partnership between the healthcare system and the school uh, to create this program and this pipeline um, to make it such a seamless transition at the end from academia to the to the clinic, if you will, the professional part of it. I think more industries need to have those exact type of relationships and pipelines. I think that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just so important too. Like healthcare really is a community that's all about the community that's in, which is mm-hmm. I just said community a lot. But <laughs> look, there the responsibility is on healthcare just from a, because how the traits that it is, right? So you look in Norman, Oklahoma, there's going to be gaps between high school and where people get to, let's say, in their 50s, right? No other company like healthcare can help somebody that takes a different path than just your typical, I'm going to go to college and do X, Y, Z, right? Which, by the way, a lot of people don't take that path. Like healthcare can. You can start off in a different division. You can take a different pathway to wherever you want to go. We have in, you know, Brittany in Roanoke, Virginia, where I am, I might have told you this before. We have our CEO of Carillion Clinic out here. She started off as a candy striper like many years ago in the, at the same hospital. And now she's the CEO and she's beloved in this community and rightfully so. But we look at like the skills gaps. Look, tech companies aren't going to be raising kids out of high school and sticking with them at each portion in their life like healthcare can. You know, and I just think what you're articulating right now is it is a proven path to help the members of our community make everything better. It changes the trajectory of families in the future. So what you're doing is just so important because without the healthcare system there to do that, maybe start them off on that path. um, There's not a lot of other options for folks out there in a positive way. Yeah, you mentioned the term families, and that's very timely for us because we are just launching um, a a welcome home family campaign. So we are a non-for-profit public trust. Um, We are a community and regional health system. So we aren't um, part of a corporate structure. And the benefit to that, although many, one of the ones that's um, 
my favorite is that we get to experience life together. And so, so many of our Grow Your Own Pipeline programs have been us facilitating people through the various steps in their academic lives, and then that transpires into their personal lives. So we know a lot about each other. We celebrate a lot of things um, together. And it's been interesting that in several of these pipeline programs, we've created roles that have then allowed us the ability to encourage them to go back to school for a licensure or a degree. And so we feel that sense of accomplishment for them as we are shepherding and growing them into who they want to be. And I, I, that is across um, several clinical disciplines mm -hmm. right now. And it's something that we've just um, taken off on over the past, I'd say three years. Wow. It's so much it's super needed. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. so much needed. And I think that, you know, healthcare organizations that not only recognize it, but truly act on it, the future is going to be so bright for you. I, one thing that you mentioned there that I really love is just the Welcome Home campaign. And I bet it's going to mm -hmm. be so, so successful for you. You look at like post-pandemic, especially folks coming back and exiting the travel nurse space. I mean, Norman, Oklahoma is an awesome place to raise a family. And if you're with an, an excellent organization, why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, and I think it, we get lost sometimes. And I want to mention this because I think we get lost in the, uh, I don't know, the nurses. Okay, well, we're going to go make hundreds of dollars at a travel nurse, right? But in reality, this is a massive trade-off, all right? Because here's the downside to making quote unquote, great money as a travel nurse, right? Is you work where they tell you and when they tell you, and you're right. away from other people that you care about. And that will not, that will not jive long-term with anybody's life. Right. So now mm -hmm. you take that away. Okay. Well, you're making a little bit money less, but the benefits are better. You might have a better schedule. You have a community around you that'll help you with your family. So when you say things like this, you know, like a, the welcome home, it's a welcome home campaign. Mm -hmm. you know, I, yeah. I, I truly think that that is a, it, it's, I don't know. It's like a warm hug. Like if I were a nurse, I I'd love that campaign. <laughs> we were talking about, we have so many families like legit families that, that work here. We want to figure out how we can tell those stories. We have husbands and wives and mothers and children. And so we, we want to tell those unique stories because it, it really is not just a work family. Um, there's a lot of biological families um, here too. Well, that'd be fun to figure out a way to tell those stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, work seeing, family would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. I'm seeing brand it, it's new on commercials. It's on our list. Yeah. yeah. Television seeing, commercials. Yeah, I'm Bo's seeing commercials, videos, families interacting in the workspace at home. Yeah, that that is that's work-life harmony, Luke. That is work-life harmony. Mm -hmm. Also, Bo would like to apply for the marketing position. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, so I'm I'm super interested because um, I love the whole. I'm going to go back to this because I just I love it, and I've talked about it numerous times in my past in different speaking engagements on the value of partnerships. What partnerships would you recommend 
to your HR, to HR professionals. So think about your own HR team. Um, what are some of the key partnerships for the HR leaders to have inside the organization, whether it's the clinical side, the non-clinical side, where do you recommend they focus? If, if they have no other so, partnerships to start out with, where should they go first? So here's um, what I, I would recommend. We just took off doing a lot of these affiliation and partnership agreements with schools specifically between clinical areas and those schools. Looking back on it, I think it's easier for the HR professionals to know what their role is in these new innovative roles and roles when they they get to see it being created. And so we were like, oh, we're going to take care of this and then we're going to hand it off. And we find ourselves, you know, explaining the rationale and the background. And I think that there's a real opportunity to involve them in that upfront creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me give you an, an example. We developed a respiratory tech program that would allow non-licensed techs to work inside of the respiratory therapy department. And we actually have had great success getting them into an RT program and then graduating them as licensed therapists. Wow. So when we were recruiting for that RT tech role, we needed to let HR know, hey, we're recruiting for people that are interested in going to RT school or interested in the pulmonology specialty. Mm-hmm. And so had you know talent acquisition been at the table when we were dreaming all of this up, it may have been you know easier for them to, to recruit for that. You yeah. know, lesson learned. But the beauty in this program that we never really anticipated is because we created this, we actually increased enrollment rates for the respiratory therapy schools. Hmm. And they really had nothing to to do with what we were trying to do other than us creating a clinical academic affiliation agreement, which would allow them to do clinical rotations here. And Hmm. so it had a great positive outcome that we never really saw coming. And so now we're starting this multiple year uh, pipeline program that is super solid in a discipline that we're now thinking, okay, how can we apply this to to others? Wow. That's good insight for sure. For all of our, yeah, for all of our listeners, that's, that's super good insight. Take note of what Brittany just said and, you know, apply that, get involved, be involved. Um, try to ensure you're at the table when these ideas are coming to coming to mm-hmm. fruition so that you can be an active participant in the program for sure. That's what I heard. And I think that's great advice. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Brittany, I'm looking at your uh, LinkedIn and your background, you know, awesome experience. Mm-hmm. One thing that stands out to me is you shot up. Once you hit into nurse leadership, you went to the top pretty darn quickly, which is impressive, right? Uh, we're so since we're primarily an HR podcast, I want to give some some uh, nuggets for the HR folks out there too. Uh, folks that aren't like uh, CHRO, like Keith. Shout out to Keith; he was awesome. Past podcast guest. Yes. Uh, that wants to partner with the chief nursing officer, right? You're a young, dynamic chief nursing officer. How can HR folks best partner with you? approach you like what types of partnerships and collaboration are you looking for and you know for somebody that's let's say mid-level hr 
they have an initiative, they want to partner with you on it. What's the best way for them to even start doing that? What do you respond well to? I just say, you know, I, I, I'd like, I just like to hear your response to that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you registered for ASHRAE's June 4th webinar yet? Attend Optimizing Employee Wellness, How Infirmary Health Aligned HR and Pharmacy for Better Benefits, and Earn a CEU. Sure. So we actually had our recruitment and retention committee this morning. And so HR is there. Um, We say a lot, if you're hearing of things in the market, if you've come across something innovative, if somebody else is doing it, let's talk about it. And let's see what this idea is. What can we do? What can we not? How can we tweak it to, I use this term a lot, normanize it, you know, so that it's applicable to us and and our system. And we've done that um, quite a bit. Uh, I'll just share an example. So we have a hospital owned EMS service. That is a rarity today. And we created a paramedic extern program. And so we have a a recruiter that helps us specifically in that area. And it's all about getting people that are interested into that role. And we help facilitate them during um, or down different pathways. Is it EMT or is it, you know, paramedic? And so that's just a a homegrown program that uh, we've created and fine-tuned across the way. And so, you know, HR was involved in all of that. We had to create a job description and a job code and work with those clinical leaders to actually execute that plan. And then we had to be able to share that we need to be flexible because these are students, right? They're gonna have class requirements. They're gonna have clinical requirements. And so we um, can't be so black and white on their expectations so that they successfully get to where they want to be, which in the end is going to mutually benefit the health system from a a talent acquisition and um, recruitment perspective. Oh, that's cool. That's great feedback. I'm curious about uh, this question as well. With the the newer nurses coming coming into the workforce, I mean, I think, and I'll, I'll, people have heard me say this on the podcast, I think the millennials get a bad rap out there. I really do. I think they're I mean, some are more in touch with their emotions, but I don't think that's a bad thing. But I also think you're getting a workforce that is dialed into technology. They're hyper efficient at different things. I think they're very good at problem solving. They think about things a little bit differently, which can be a big positive. Have you, and maybe you haven't seen any differences, but have you seen any differences, either positive or negative in the new emerging workforce coming in? And how have you, you know, how have you handled with that, made them part of the family, or how have you normanized it, I guess? Mm-hmm. So I am a millennial. I would not call myself as tech savvy as that um, generation. But we also find ourselves in a work environment that has multiple different generations. Yes, mm-hmm. And it's not just those that are younger than us. And so we need to be able to speak to every one of them in a language that is meaningful to them. And so I think there's something to be learned by each one of those groups. And we can't put on a full court press towards just one of those audiences. We need to have offerings 
across all of them. And so I think that there's always something to learn from from everyone. You know, if if you take the time to to listen and connect. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't agree more with that. So it's just all about the individual. And I, I love what you said there, listening to them, right? And making that connection. <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of too many organizations don't do that. It just seems like it's a mindset where it's actually simple. If you just believe that mindset and go in with, hey, I'm going to listen. Right. Uh, we've heard this from Brittany, from some of the top minds that we've interviewed. That is a common theme. Right. We had Bo, Mike Barger, co-founder of JetBlue. He was awesome. Brittany, he's the old chief instructor at Top Gun. He mentioned that. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know, right? Like, I, I barely, I was so like star shocked that I like could barely <laughs> think of questions to ask this guy. He was amazing, uh, but he mentioned that you know about just finding out what's important to the individual and being flexible with that, uh, and just taking just such a like a global problem and dialing it back in to what's important to that person. I'm just really happy to hear you say that, and I think I don't know for any listeners if you're thinking about joining Norman, I would. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I, I will just say it's it's hard because, you know, I, as you mentioned, um, I, I moved up quickly. And that is some that is a personal struggle of mine is to be as connected as as I once was. And it's physically impossible, but it does eat me up inside um, because it wasn't that long ago when I was able to do that. Yeah. It's so true. We had um, another person like just uh, Joyce Russell, by the way, she's she's been on our podcast. She's the old CEO of a deco biggest staffing firm in the world. Uh, she's on the Davos World Economic Forum. She's one of Forbes 100 most powerful women on the planet. And by the way, she'll I say this because she'll never tell you any of this. Like if you talk to her because she's, you know, humble yeah. like that. Uh, but she was talking about, and this was years ago with her team, you know, r retaining and attracting the best people. So she sat down and she listened to all of her people, heavily female dominated, right? And so she was basically came up with like, well, they needed, they want, what was really important to the team was they wanted to be the heck out of there at 4 p.m. every day so they could go be with their families. And she was like, we weren't, they weren't really getting work done after 4 p.m. anyways. So she had a new policy called eight to four and out the door. And then you can leave when school ends on Fridays. And she goes, Oh my gosh, they wouldn't leave. She goes, they, they, people like people, there was no turnover. People worked harder. And she's, <laughs> that always stuck with me where she's like, all she's like, I didn't do anything groundbreaking. I sat down and listened to them for literally 15 minutes and they told me exactly what they needed. And I gave it to them and it worked like a charm. So you're, what you're articulating is exactly that, uh, although yours is a lot more difficult because you have thousands of more people. Oh, and by the way, it's a 24-hour-a-day health system. So, Right, right. But I do, I love a good theme or an alliteration or a rhyme like that because it really does stick with people. And it makes it fun. You know, our roles are challenging enough. We need to be able to have some fun in the midst of that. Yep, you're no, absolutely for sure. right. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Brittany, this is so good. What are there any, um, anything that you think of as far as like sayings or thing that have inspired you 
in the past or that you live by? I, I, I have a few myself, but I've, I find most successful people do. I had a pastor years ago that used to always say all blessings flow through relationships. And I, I use that a lot. It, it sticks with me and all that to say, you don't have to have a relationship with everybody. You don't have to have a, a great relationship with everybody, you know, but those relationships that are, are meaningful and enough to you, it's, it's amazing what you can create. And so I, I share that in relation to most of the things that we were talking about today, because it just, um, like I said, it's, it's stuck with me. Oh, thanks for sharing. That's so true. That's so true. Yep. Brittany, you've been absolutely incredible. You're very inspiring. Uh, I think you're going to oh, inspire a lot you. of folks on here. For the last couple of minutes, we just we give you the floor. You can do shout outs to whoever you want. You can talk about whatever you want. Um, and then we'll wrap up. But yeah, the, the floor is yours. Okay. So I, I think that in healthcare today, because of what we have been through, there are extreme financial pressures. And as a clinician, it is very hard at times to articulate why we need to be able to do the things we need to do to take care of patients and and be, you know, financially savvy or good financial stewards. And so what what I want to share, and this is for the, the HR folks listening too, is there is a way to get an ROI for several of these things. So when you think about pipeline programs, a lot of the ways we got this support was to prove that by doing an upfront investment, we were saving money on the back end. And specifically what that looks like is when we pay our students and they stay with us after they graduate or after they become licensed, we are able to safely decrease their orientation time. So if you had brought in a brand new person, they would have had the full gauntlet of orientation. And so what I was able to do is to say, all right, yes, it's a year later. However, the savings from this applied to the front end actually is an overall win-win. And so you've got to be able to cast that net wider, but then intentionally connect dots for those that don't really understand the work or the world if that makes sense. And so that's what we've done in several of these um, pipeline programs. Oh, that's massive. That is absolutely massive, Brittany. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for sharing. Uh, What I love about what you just said too, is it's something that I think anybody can, any health system can do this with a relatively, not a huge lift. Like I'm not going to say that, I mean, there is a lot that goes into it, but it's something they should be doing, right? And I can't even imagine the savings that you're getting off that orientation because that is expensive and it takes forever. It is. And so if I could do a, a shout out, um, I want to do I want to do a couple. We partnered about six months ago with a company called Asa, and we started to dream and create. Um, they are a phenomenal company that allows us to do just that. We innovate, we design, we pivot, and we have put together some really innovative programs that you'll probably see being um, published here in the future. And so that to me, it's not a pipeline program, but it is another partnership. And if you can find the right partner, 
that will dream alongside you. I, I think that that is just critical to the healthcare workforce um, of today. So they have been amazing. Um, my peer, Keith Minnis, our chief people officer, has been absolutely amazing. We've got great fun energy, and we are just moving at the speed of light, doing things now but between the, the two approaches. Brittany, truly inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, listeners, Brittany McGill, Chief Nursing Officer, Northern Regional in Oklahoma. Uh, Brittany, you're always welcome back. But this has been this has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And uh, Asherah listeners, that's a wrap. Still listening? Save your seat for the upcoming June 4th ASHRA webinar with Rx Benefits and Infirmary Health today. Questions for the speakers? Send them ahead of time to ashra.edu at ashra.org.